You've heard of the popular quote that says, um, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach him how to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. In another word, help someone or give something to someone and they will just use it and the problem will come back. But if you teach him how to help themselves, they will learn to look after themselves every day. They won't need you again. That sounds like a good idea. It sounds like a good plan. And I agree with, the, with this in, in a big part. But the problem with this strategy is that it only feeds one person. This is what I mean. If I teach you how to fish so that you can feed yourself, that's all. So I'm just feeding you by teaching you. But if I teach you how to fish and ask you to teach someone else how to fish, then I don't need to teach that person. So we can reach more people by, I teach you and I teach you how to teach. Then you teach someone to fish and to teach how to fish. And someone will teach to fish and to teach how to fish. And the web will expand, isn't it? So if my, my, my problem with that statement is it ends with the person I'm teaching how to fish and that's it. But if, and, and they will need me to teach everybody else because I'm the only one who knows how to fish. So I, how to teach how to fish. But if I teach people to teach how to fish, we will eradicate hunger because we'll reach more people. So this is how I would say it. I will edit this quote like this. Give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach him how to fish, and you feed him for a lifetime. And teach him to teach others how to fish, and you feed generations. It's not enough to teach how to fish. It's important to teach people to teach others, so they can also teach others, so we can touch and impact generations. It's only when the knowledge is transmitted to others and others teach others when the problem is permanently solved. The vision of our church is an expensive pioneering act to church. Our mission is reaching seekers, building believers, and raising churches. Our strategy for 2021 is be a watering hole, build a watering hole, and own a watering hole. So last week, we looked at becoming a watering hole. You can listen to that on the podcast. Today, we're going to look at building a watering hole. In other words, how to help people who help others. How to teach people who teach others to fish. Because we know a watering hole is a person who gives life to others. So how do we build people who give life to others, but teach others to teach others to how to give life to others? So we can reach more people. It seems like a, the better way to eradicate hunger is not only to give fish to a hungry person. If we keep giving fish to a hungry person, we are not eradicating hunger until we teach them to fish and ask them to teach others to fish. That's where we'll eradicate hunger. Jesus gave 
the truth to his followers. And then he asked them to go and tell others. He also sent them to tell others so that they can also pass on the information to others. The process was never intended to end by the first generation of followers. This is called making disciples. That's how the Gospels call that process, making disciples. It is the process of telling someone about the good news of Jesus while teaching that person to tell others so that others can tell others and the chain can continue. The word gospel comes from Greek evangelion, meaning good news. The story about Jesus is not good news because it makes our life better. It is good news because it gives us life. In fact, Jesus did not come to make our lives better, even though he makes it better sometimes. Jesus came to give us life and life to the fullest. The gospel is a matter of death and life. So sharing the good news of the gospel is not a mission to make the world a better place, but a mission to rescue people who are facing eternal death. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20 says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This was the only meeting Jesus called after his resurrection. All other meetings, all other times that he met with his disciples, he just appeared to them. This one time, they went to the meeting knowing that he will be there. He promised them, go there, I will meet you there. This was an appointment. They knew there is something serious he wants to tell us. There is something serious he will tell us. You know that somebody's final words are very important. So they wanted to hear what he will tell him, he will tell them finally, after resurrection, what, what is changing, what's the new plan. Now he's alive. What is happening next? Is he staying with us? Is he going somewhere? What is really happening after his resurrection? Let's go and hear that. In verse 20, he says. It, it, it says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We can argue that Jesus was not really talking to the 11 disciples because it is recorded that the 11 disciples attended the meeting. We know the, the 11 were there. But we, we can also argue that they were not alone. Maybe there were some women there who were not recorded. Maybe there were other disciples who were not recorded. But that's not the point of my, 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 my message now. What I want to say is, when he says, I will be with you to the, very end, to the very end of the age, I don't think Jesus is telling them, you will be alive until the day I come back. I don't think that was his telling them. What I believe Jesus is saying, he's not just talking to the 11, he's talking to every other believer, every other person who will become a believer between that time and the time he comes back, is, is the audience at that time. I will be with you always to the very end of, of age, including 2021. This is before Jesus returns. So that means even you and I are part of the audience Jesus is talking to. 
Jesus is talking to all his disciples, telling them, I will be with you always to the end of this. He knows the future. He knows Paul is not going, uh, John is not going to be there. He knows Peter is not going to, the, to, to be there. He knows they are not going to be here in 2021. So who is he talking to by saying to the very end of the age? He's talking to Michael Harris. He's talking to Doug. He's talking to me. He's talking to you. Because he knows we will be there. Our time will come when this message will be for us. He's commissioning us and every other believer who will ever believe in him until he comes back. Then he says, go. Go, baptize, and teach. So if we want people to become watering holes, we should go, baptize them, and teach them. It may sound like something you've heard of before. Let's take the first one. Go. Some people will travel from town to town to share the good news. Others will cross oceans to make disciples. But not every Christian is called to leave their hometown or city. Not every Christian is called to travel, to go and preach the gospel. So, what does go mean to that person who never traveled? As a missionary, who never traveled? Go simply implies taking initiative. Go means don't wait there, do something. Take initiative, be first to move. We are not supposed to wait for people to come to us. We are not supposed to wait for people to ask for help. We are not supposed to wait for people to tell us that they need Jesus. We know they need him. Even if they don't know it. Even if they don't say it. We are supposed to take the initiative to give the fish to the hungry. We are supposed to make the first move, first move to helping people. When you see a need, be first to step in and help. We are supposed to step up and offer solutions whenever we see a problem. Go. Be first to make a move. Don't wait until they ask you. Jesus commanded all of us to go. Jesus commanded us to take the initiative whenever we see a need. Jesus commanded us to live on a mission. Someone who lives with the go in mind lives on a mission. Followers of Jesus are called to live with a constant awareness of people who are going to hell. Followers of Jesus are called to live with a constant awareness of eternity. Followers of Jesus are called to see people in two categories. As C.S. Lewis said, in the end, there are only two kinds of people in the world. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those who in the end, God says to them, thy will be done. According to C.S. Lewis, there are some people now who have surrendered their lives to Christ and say thy will be done. And those who don't, one day God will tell them, thy will be done. Living with a go mindset is to live on mission. Living with a go mindset is to live with a purpose. Living with a go mindset is to live with passion to see others rescued from eternal consequence of sin. A missionary went to preach in a village and he was giving away Bibles giving away Bibles. 
and he found this drug addict guy and he asked him, can you take the Bible? He took the initiative, take the Bible. And the guy said, I'm not going to take your Bible unless I'm going to smoke it. And the preacher said, oh, that's fine. Just on one condition, I will give you the Bible, but before you smoke, read it. So you read the page, you smoke the page. Good deal. Good. The guy started. The missionary left. When he came back, he heard about a church. Because the, the, the town did not have a church. The village did not have a church. But he heard about a church, revival. People are going to church. People are being saved. To, people, lives are being transformed. And the missionary said, let me go see finally who is doing something here. And the missionary went to church and find out the drug addict is the pastor. Said, ah, what happened to you, my friend? He said, you know, I smoked through Matthew. I smoked through Mark. I smoked through Luke. Then John smoked me. Said, ah. He gave his life to Jesus. We must not give up on people. People in our lives can seem to ignore God. They can seem to ignore him. But we must not give up on inviting them. We must not ignore, we must not give up on praying for them. Don't give up on people. One day all human beings will face judgment. On that day, only one thing will matter. Their response to Jesus. Our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends will face judgment. Going is to take initiative and do something about it. We need to be reminded, church, that this is not all that is. There is more to life than this. Let's go and make disciples. Let's go and share the good news with others. Pray for someone. Keep inviting them. Some people will take 10 years of invitation to baptize. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 B. Jesus did not send us to simply baptize people. He sent us to baptize those who believe in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Not just baptize, but baptize in the name. He says in the name, not in the names. Then he mentions three names, three nouns. He says, baptize them in the name. Then he mentions three nouns. He could have said in the names of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. We are baptizing them in one name with those three persons. This is what it means. The Greek word here is baptizo. It was used by dye makers in those days. If you want a red robe, you go to the dye maker and they will make or they will immerse, baptize your robe in a red dye. They will dry it and give you a red robe. So it's a process that was happening already in the industry. If you want to change the color of your robe or your dress, you go back and they will baptize it into the color of your choice. So it will come in a different color. They will baptize it in the new color and give it to you in a different color, the new 
color. That's the same concept of baptism. The person goes in water with one color and comes out with a different spiritual color. You look one way going in water and you look a different way coming out in the eyes of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Which means, your culture, your race, your political views, your status come second after Jesus. Followers of Jesus might be defined first by their relationship with God before anything else. Your color has changed. You are first a disciple of Christ before you identify yourself as an Australian, American, or Kiwi. You are first a disciple of Christ before you identify yourself as an accountant, a builder, or a teacher. You are first a disciple of Christ before you identify yourself as white, yellow, or brown. You are first a disciple of Christ because you have been immersed, baptized in Jesus' color. And you came out a different person. If you are a doctor, you represent God in the medical field so that people can see how God looks like when God is helping people. If you are a builder, you are not just a builder. You represent God in the building industry so that people can see how God looks like when God builds houses. If you are a teacher, you are not just a teacher. You represent God in the education system so that students can see how God looks like when God is in a classroom. If you are a business person, you are not just making deals. You represent God in your field so that people can see how God looks like when he does business. We represent God. We've been immersed in Christ. And when we come out, we must represent him. We must live like him. We must reflect his color. Disciples have to represent God because they've been immersed in his name. We carry his color. Disciples smell like, talk like, speak like, and think like Jesus because they've been identified with him. So building a watering hole is helping people think like, sound like, and act like Jesus. That's why Jesus said, go and baptize them in my name. I want them to sound like me. I want them to walk like me. I want them to look like me. I want them to talk like me. I want them to be like me. Go and do that. Baptize them. It's not, it's not simply a religious act. It is a process. And the final one is teach. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. In Matthew 28, 28, it says that. Teaching them. Jesus did not send us to teach people what he commanded us. Mm. Jesus did not send us to teach people what he commanded us. There are many people who can be caught into the argument about commandment. What did he say? What did he say? What did he say? What did he say? Although it's important to know the commandment, Jesus did not send us to teach commandment. He sent us to teach people to obey the commandment. Not to know them. To obey them. 
The purpose of teaching someone is not to give them information, but to bring transformation. Teaching what he commanded is mere information. Knowing what he commanded without acting on it is useless. We must teach people to observe, to apply, to put into practice what Jesus commanded us. Knowledge without application is useless. Transformation comes from the application of information. If we are going to make a difference in the world, we need to be the people who apply the word we hear. Apply the word we hear. We must not just teach others to observe. We must teach them to teach others to observe. Does it make sense? You teach someone to observe. You tell him to teach another person to teach how to observe. And we keep teaching each other how to teach each other to observe. That was Jesus' intention. We can all do something. If we all get involved, we'll make many watering holes. The world we experience now is a result of the church past efforts to make disciples. You will agree with me. The worlds our children and grandchildren will inherit will be the result of our effort to make disciples today. The world our children and grandchildren will inherit will be the result of our today's effort to build watering holes. Which kind of world do you want to leave to your children? Make disciples if you want a better world. You may try to talk to people about the gospel for years. Don't worry. Keep trying. It's on us to go. It's on us to baptize. It's on us to teach. It's on us, not on them. Because they, they don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. Romans 10, 14 to 15. How can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. So I'll just rephrase that for you. The question is, how will people become watering holes if they haven't believed? How will they believe without hearing the good news? And how will they hear the good news without a preacher? And how will the preacher go unless they are sent? So we may not all stand behind the pulpit and preach, but we can all invite someone to church. We may not all stand behind the pulpit and preach, but our lifestyle at work is preaching. We may not all stand behind a pulpit and preach, but we can serve on a team. We can invest our finances. We can share our faith with people in our lives in different ways. We can share our ideas. Church building is a place where we make disciples who will go in their world to make an impact. It's all about making you a disciple. It's not about the building. It's about the people in the building. The building is just a physical place so that God can use it to build more lives that will transform many other lives. I'm glad um, our kid church is going to be built. Someone came to me last week and said, Pastor, you said that we don't have money for the kid church. I said, yes. 
I think we're going to throw some money into it. I say, oh, throw it. I will catch it. <laughs> I think I've caught it. <laughs> Someone has decided to throw some money in the kids' church. Why? Because our kids' church is a place where we will train the next generation to be the people who know how to fish and teach others to fish. We are making disciples in our kids' church. So I want to thank again everybody who is being involved into the building. I want to thank everybody who is involved in the church financially to support the building. And I want to thank everybody who is giving their tithe and offering to support the work of the church and the community we are living in. You are fulfilling Romans chapter 10, 14 to 15. How are we going if we are not sent? You are sending us by your support. So before I finish, I will read again Matthew 28, 20, which says, Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus ended his command with a very important promise. I'm with you always. You know, he did not say, I will be with you. It's not a future tense. He said, I am with you in a present tense. In every situation, Jesus is present. He lives in the now. This is the same verb that he used when he taught Pharisees, before Abraham was, I am. He made the same grammatical mistake there. Before Abraham was, I am. It is the same word God used when he said to Moses, go tell them, I am sent you. Why? Because he's eternal. Every time you decide to go, Jesus is with you. I want to guarantee everyone who serves on team, Jesus is with you. Jesus promised to be with us. Every time we come, he is with us. Every time we make a move, he's with us. We are going and we know every time we go, he's with us. He is with you. He's with your family. He's with your children. He's with your marriage. He's with your finances. He is with your health. He promised to be and he is. He said, I am. Every time you go, I am with you. Jesus, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you, Jesus, because you promised to be with us when we go and make disciples. I know you are with us. I pray that no sicknesses will be their portion. As they serve you, they will be protected. They will be blessed. Their relationships will be blessed. Their finances will be blessed. Their, their health will be blessed. Their lives will be blessed because they are serving you. You promise to be with us. When you come, you heal. When you come, you bless. When you come, you restore. Let every marriage sense your presence to, today. Let every family sense your presence. Everyone who serves at the chapel, Canada, let them sense your presence. Because as we go, you are with us. I bless everyone who owns the Connect group in this church. As they go, you are with them. I bless everyone who serves on team in this church because as they go, you are with them. Everyone who makes just one step to help is going. And as they go, let them know you are with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.